Greetings from my uh, practice space in Bali. I just finished a, a little bit of seated practice and I thought I'd chat with you a little bit here about the concept that came up, uh, well, recently on a post that I put up on social media and there were some responses to it that made me realize that um, the post, uh, a social media post is sometimes too short, a medium, isn't it, to explain something in depth. Um, and also it's something that comes up regularly uh, when I meet people, and that is dreaming about your teacher or your teacher visiting you in your dreams to teach you. Uh, and what this actually is and what it means and, and why I have an issue with it. This all kind of uh, buys into or sort of included in this uh, kind of drive I have at the, the moment to try to clear up, as far as my own understanding goes anyway, some of the confusions that can exist within these arts because I think there is a lack of clarity sometimes about the mechanisms behind things and I think that can cause problems and sometimes it can cause uh, dangers as well people can be taken advantage of and that's something that that obviously I don't want to happen within these arts I want everybody to be able to go into these arts learn them in as you know they're fascinating go as deep as you possibly can but not be taken advantage of or, or run the risk of people telling you mistruths. So, this is one of those, which is this idea of the teacher visiting you in your dreams. And I don't mean at this stage, a, you know, like a spiritual teacher, a deity from eight generations ago or something like that. I don't mean that when people dream of um, spirits or something, because obviously that discussion is almost not worth having because the level of delusion and the lack of clarity involved in something like that makes it impossible to, to even sort of you know, to even take seriously as far as I can see. Um, I'm talking about uh, being visited in your dreams by a living teacher. So, for example, I will get many people come into Lotus Gong and they will train in Qigong with me or meditation or something like that. And, and then many of them will have dreams about me. Um, that sounds dodgy, doesn't it? <laughs> Not that kind of dream. Uh, many of them will have dreams about me and many of them will dream about me teaching them or instructing them in some of the methods. And sometimes, um, even some of the instructions are, according to what they feed back to me, quite profound. And uh, certainly more profound than I could actually do in real life. So, you know, I'm impressed with my dream body more than my, my real body, that's for sure. So they'll, they'll come and they'll say, oh, you were teaching me last night. And, and what often happens as well is I think because the idea of, um, you know, the, the kind of esoteric or the mystical nature of these arts, a lot of projections onto it, people will then assume that I am consciously visiting them in their sleep. So then they'll ask me, oh, did you teach me last night in my sleep? Did you visit me in my, my dreams? And the answer is always no, I didn't. I don't have the capabilities of such things. And I actually don't believe that um, anybody has the, the capability of such things. Now, I'm aware that uh, by saying that, a lot of people say, no, 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 I've, I've met a teacher that can visit me in my dreams. And, and I've, I've <laughs> I, I, when I, I've said this before, people have messaged me, said, no, 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 this one. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me the teacher. Then they tell me the teacher's name. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. I know that teacher's level. There's no way they're visiting you in your dreams. Um, so actually, there's a different phenomena taking place because I don't think it's just imagination either. I don't think the teacher is visiting you in dreams consciously, and but it's also not your imagination. There's an actual mechanism that's taking place, which is kind of amazing, actually. The mechanism itself is amazing without having to take it any further. But definitely, you know, like with myself, I'm not sat there in 
you know, full lotus all night, consciously visiting people when they're in sleep to instruct them in things that I haven't managed to fit in during the day. The truth is, at night I'm asleep, usually, <laughs> unless, you know, whatever is too hot or something, I'm generally asleep. Um, and if I am not teaching, as cruel as this sounds, I'm not actually considering the people I teach that much when they're not there, because I spend so much of my life I didn't mean to make that sound terrible. I really love all the people I teach, but I don't consider them too much when they're not around for the simple reason that I spend so much of my life teaching that when people are not around, like now, I'm focused on my training very much and I'm trying to work on my skills. So my mind is very much embroiled in what I'm doing for myself at this given time. And I would say that most teachers are probably the same, are probably the same. So, why are people thinking that they're being visited in their, their dream? Well, first of all, what's the problem with it? Because even if it's inaccurate, uh, what is the issue with it? I'll tell you what the issue is. That I know for a fact, uh, and I've actually seen it happen when I've been on other teachers' courses when I was younger. Um, you know, I would be around groups and students would come to the teacher and say a similar thing, like, oh, I, you visited me in my dreams last night. I dreamt about you. And the teacher will give a no, yes. A knowing look. Or they won't deny it either, you know. Hmm, like, if I don't deny it, they'll think it's true or, or they'll just openly accept credit for it or, or something like that. Now, I would assume that those teachers know that's not true unless they're also locked in quite a high level of delusion. But essentially what they're doing is they're agreeing to it, of course, so that they project the image to the student that there is some kind of psychic phenomena taking place. So it, it elevates them in their eyes as to the level of master. Maybe the teacher is doing it for ego reasons or maybe uh, something more sinister, who knows. But it's never very healthy because now the student, well, a couple of things. One, they now believe you have abilities that you don't, that you're able to project into their dreams and teach them while they're asleep. That's obviously an issue. We don't ever wish to give views to the students. Um, of abilities that we don't have. In fact, I think the more abilities you do have, if you are someone who has some, you should play them down. I don't think it's healthy necessary to play them up. I think you should try to bring people back down to earth. The second problem with it is that, uh, well, it's not, as, as a student, I don't think it's very healthy for them to ever think that they can't escape you, you know what I mean? Like they never have any privacy. And while you're asleep, it's a fairly intimate thing. I mean, you wouldn't, I would imagine you wouldn't want to be asleep in your bed and then wake up and then, you know, your teacher stood at the bottom of the bed staring at you. That would be creepy, just watching you sleep or something. That's very, very creepy. So you don't, you don't want to set that image up for the student that they can't escape. Because, well, that's, it's all well and good, but what happens if the student feels vulnerable at that, or what happens if the student leaves the school, or there's an argument or something, or, or they suddenly feel threatened for whatever reason, now they're going to think that you're visiting them while they're asleep. And I have seen it before, where these stories go further, and then people, uh, students will often think, normally of the opposite sex, to be perfectly honest, will start to believe that the teacher is now visiting them to assault them in their sleep, being careful with my words, because I know YouTube algorithms don't like certain words, but I know, I'm sure you know what I mean. And that's obviously not good for anybody. It's not good for the student that believes they're being assaulted in their sleep and not good for the teacher either who, you know, nobody, it's not nice to have anybody think something like that of you, um, some untruth like that. <clears throat> so that's the second reason. And the third one as well is I think it builds sometimes an unhealthy connection between the teacher and the student because all of a sudden the student thinks they're special because, you know, they're being visited in their sleep, but Joe blogs next to him and fucking 
whatever this guy, you know, the other students are not being visited. So therefore, that student is special. And that's building some kind of pedestaled relationship between the teacher and the student. And my experience of pedestaled relationships where the student believes they're getting special attention from the, the teacher is it often goes wrong. Like, there's so many interpersonal dynamics that goes on within a, a group setting, especially when you're learning something that has the potential for all these sort of spiritualized or esoteric projections. You've got to be careful with all these things. You've got to be careful as a teacher. You've got to be careful as a student. So those are my three issues with it is, one, I don't think teachers should lie. Two, um, students shouldn't feel vulnerable while they're asleep. You know, they can't escape the teacher. And the third one is um, it makes the student, it develops a weird relationship between you and the student. So I, I have many issues with this. So I, I, I've seen it many times. And when students, I mean, look, if I, I teach a lot, and, and when people come to me, it's not rare for people to say they dreamt of me. It's not rare. It's very common within the class. Um, it's also common outside the class these days as well, actually, like the general public just messaging saying, I dreamt of you, and it will range from you taught me something through to you told me I have to come and see you, so I must join your school. And, and that's quite hard because most of our courses are fully booked, actually. And, and, and the truth is I haven't visited anyone. So if, you, if you're watching this and you think I visited you to tell you to do something, I haven't. I haven't visited you to tell you to join the school. I haven't visited you to ask for your bank details or sell you crypto or <laughs> anything else you might think I've done in your sleep. I haven't, like definitely not. Um, so I hope that's clear. That's, that's not how I operate and that's not how life works. But you get that a lot. And, and the first thing I always do with any student that, that says you visited me in my sleep is, is tell them, no, I didn't. Like it's very clear, it's very important to me to tell the truth uh, on things like this. It, it's vitally important that people understand the clarity of, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't visit you in your sleep, I promise. I was asleep. So this is to do with a different phenomena. So what is it? Because I certainly dreamt of my teachers. I've dreamt of, of teachers that were living um, and had very clear instructions from them. <laughs> to be honest, like the conversations between them. So I understand the illusory nature of it because I've had uh, living teachers just stand for hours and tell me all kinds of things while I'm asleep. I've had past teachers um, that have been dead for a while visit me in my dreams and, and teach me things and give me even corrections on Qigong and corrections on martial arts I've learned from. I've had dreams of, not that I'm a big dreamer, but normally it's in the early hours of the morning for me. I don't tend to be a big dreamer at night, but early hours of the morning when I'm sort of half waking up and half conscious, that's, that's when my dreams come. And I've had dreams of, um, you know, deities and, and long dead teachers teaching me. Do I think any of them are literal? No, not at all. Dreaming in Taoism really is to do with the relationship, um, or in Chinese thought I should say, the relationship between the hun, the soul, uh, and the shen, and the way that your mind and your shen interact, and then the way that the hun kind of projects symbology onto it. So I'm a Chinese medicine teacher as well, and, and there's a whole section, a whole subject I teach around dreams to get people to understand the, the medicine of it, uh, because a lot of people are tortured by their dreams. You know, and there's a whole lot of energetic mechanics to do with which channels are active at any particular time of the night and what projects are being produced. But ultimately, they are uh, a kind of illusion, is the, the view a kind of illusion that we're experiencing. So I don't go with all of this view that you were in another world. You know, I know there's spiritual beliefs, whatever, that we're actually transferring to another dimension or something like that. Or None of that is true to me. I think it's mostly the brain and the mind and the energy decluttering more than anything else. So what's going on with this actual phenomenon? Why are teachers visiting 
people in their dreams. Stop it. Stop visiting students in their dreams. I'll tell you. It's because your brain processes stuff, okay, at night. And often when you go into that sleep state, you will process things you can't deal with during the day. It's why people who have quite a stressful life will have a very stressful dreams. Of course, they're processing that stress. Their, their mind is trying to declutter and deal with it. It's like the night is a purging experience. And if you've ever been, oh no, I don't mean to sound creepy, if you've been around people who are sleeping during stressful times, you know, whatever, then actually if you have a degree of sensitivity to, to energetics, to so the magnetism and the, and the energy that comes off of people, you can actually feel the toxins coming off of them, like the, the energy feels erratic and, or whatever as the body clears out, whereas somebody who's in a very calm period of their life, uh, sleeping has a different feel, it looks like it draws in, it's like a magnetism that draws in towards that person. So there, there is an energetic process that's taking place there of decluttering or processing information. Now, if I'm going to sit and watch a lot of videos from a particular teacher, maybe I'm sat there binging videos on a particular guy, or I'm reading a lot of information on someone, and I'm getting a lot of imagery from them on social media or, or whatever online, it's not unusual for your brain, you've just looked at that person's image, to then start to get that person's image come through in your sleep, right? You're going to dream about that person. And I think if you have questions about should I go train with a person or something, often your brain will process that question at night combined with the image of the person you're, you're watching, which is why you get the illusion of me visiting you or someone visiting you say, come join the school, which is not true. It's not true. If you want to join the school, you're welcome, of course, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, uh, some people, some churches hand out flyers in the street. <laughs> sort of uh, canvassing for business for, for sleeping strangers. That's <laughs> not how it works. So, but that's one thing that can obviously happen. It's just like if you watch a lot of movies, um, maybe, or a whole, you binge watch a TV series on Netflix. It's not unusual for you to dream about being in that series or something like that afterwards. But then, of course, there's a different kind of dream, which is um, more clear instruction that you're receiving from somebody, either somebody past or that you've trained with or somebody live or whatever. And this is really the phenomenon that's interesting to me. It comes down to this. If you are teaching something like Qigong, for example, or meditation, or any internal art, but so let's use Qigong as an example. Now, there are various levels of instruction taking place. There are, first of all, the verbal instructions, okay, uh, which are showing you what to do. There are the demonstrations where the person's learning to copy. But then there's other factors involved, especially if the teacher has a certain degree of qi. So if the teacher has a certain degree of qi, what it means is their body gives off a certain sort of field in the space around them. If you've never experienced this, then uh, you know I think you should probably go and find someone who can show you sometime, because it's very, very interesting, that there is a certain degree of a field around that person's body. Now that field, when it gives off energy, means that if somebody is within that field, within that space, often their body will start to emulate what is going on inside your body. This is why you'll have so many teachers where you go to see them you've ever been in the internal arts and you can do all the things they're asking you to do inside your body and then you go home and you can't. And I did a previous, because you're not stood within their, their field, right? And I did a previous podcast episode on that phenomena. can't remember what it's called, <laughs> but there is one anyway. Uh, it was like a couple of episodes ago. I can't remember. There's one explaining that phenomena in detail. Oh yeah, Secrets of, of Qigong or something like that. It's called like how to actually learn Qigong. So if, if the teacher has developed this field around themselves, which is based on building enough energy within the body that it can cause people in that space to essentially emulate what you're doing inside your body, this is a major part of internal arts training. It's a form of transmission. 
So uh, and most Qigong teachers of any degree of skill should have this. Uh, not, you know, there's, there's a stage before where you're just teaching movements or something, but if you, I'm talking if you're of a certain degree of skill, you should have this field. Now, obviously, the strength of that field can vary a great deal depending upon the, the state of the teacher. I mean, I don't mind saying, look, I have, if I'm in a, on a good day, <laughs> I haven't been traveling too much, haven't been sick, haven't been over teaching or whatever, I don't know, like I'm asleep, whatever. When, when I have an abundance of energy, I have a very, very strong chi field. If whatever, I've been traveling, I'm jet lagged, teaching too much, whatever, my field is like that. <laughs> it's piddly because it's very much dependent upon the level of vitality that you have within your body. And part of the skill of a Qigong teacher they should do it better than I do, is to um, maintain that field at its optimum level so that you're the most useful teacher for the people around you. Because with something like Qigong or meditation, what are you going to teach people through just demonstrating the movements? Like, for example, say you're a meditation teacher and you just sat on the stage with your legs crossed. That's like the easiest job in the world, isn't it? They all sit there. You sit there for an hour with your eyes closed. They sit there for an hour with their eyes closed. There we go. That's an hour's teaching like it's... It's the most useless job in the world. Like the students realistically may as well go practice on their own or just have a TV on when <laughs> somebody meditated or meditate before a waxwork effigy of you or something. To me, that's not really how the teaching should be. The teaching should be that the teacher of that particular art, if they're at a high enough level, should build enough energy so that they have a field and the people sit within that field, right? This was the basis of sitting with the, the master satsang or something like that, right? So then the, the teacher sits in meditation and then, you know, hopefully, successfully goes to a particular condition within their body or conditions within their mind. And then if the students are sat within the field, then it will cause a similar effect to appear within the students. So you are literally training for the people that are there. You are practicing for the people in front of you. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, no one's perfect every day unless you're a tr true master. So there are fluctuations in this, but you are trying to guide the people into that particular state. And then alongside that, you help them to open the body up and build enough energy that when they go off on their own, they can then emulate or recreate that experience. And this is the way that internal arts are passed on. And like I said, in the previous podcast, I explained it in greater detail, I think. Um, but why I'm talking about this is because now what you have is a qi transmission from one person to another, a form of energy that causes emulation between you and the person you're teaching. Now, every single person's energy has a, a separate, almost like a thumbprint to it. You know what I mean? It has like a, a, a seal. Now, here's an interesting one. One of the places that a different kind of transmission goes into your being is through the center, not, not between the eyebrows, what they call the third eye, but the center of the, the forehead, actually, in this area. Um, and in Chinese medicine, they have a point slightly underneath this, actually, that they call yin tang. They're not quite in the same place, but essentially what it means is the seal, uh, like a place of the seal, okay? And what they're referring to is like a red uh, stamp, yeah? So you have the red wax, and they stamp the stamp on it, and that would be the seal of the person in, in China, yeah? Or you've seen it in medieval England with the wax. China's different, isn't it? It's like a stamp you see on the calligraphy or whatever. That's the seal, right? The implication being that when the transmission goes through the yin tang, okay, you pick up the empowerment from the, the teacher, then it has an individual seal, meaning that there is like a thumbprint or a quality to that energy that is individual to the teacher or sometimes individual to the lineage when it goes into your being. 
And if you get a very skilled master, far more skilled than myself, <laughs> there's just no way I could do this. But if you have a very, very skilled master, sometimes they can know who you've trained with before just from the quality of the transmissions you've received. So if, and I've experienced this, I've trained with a very, very high level master and I've gone and I've trained with them and, and then I've gone to another very high level master just to visit and they just look at you and they'll just pick up with your energy. They know who you've trained with because they can read the seal. They can read the seal or they can read the, like the thumbprint, if you like, of the person's energetic field. It's like there's a resonance on you. And sometimes they can tell the particular lineage. They'll know this is long men or this is a Chan lineage or whatever that they can feel coming through your body. So this individuated quality to the chi is very, very important because you might not be able to read it consciously, like I can't read it consciously, I'm not at that level, but if, that, if I receive energy from somebody, okay, and they've given me verbal instructions, but during the day I've been sat within their field, what will happen is when I go to sleep and my conscious mind gets out of the way, because my conscious mind is an idiot, then often during the night the energy I've received combined with the thumbprint of that person can unfold while I'm asleep, right? This is what happens. <clears throat> this is why many of the greatest teachings take place once you're asleep. That's the funny thing. You go to, a, uh, to see a great master, and when you're asleep, you receive the majority of the teachings because my conscious mind could interpret what they've shown me visually. My conscious intellect can copy the movements. My conscious intellect can understand the theory. But only when I go to sleep and close my eyes can my subconscious, my dreaming mind, if you like, my relaxed mind, start to interpret the information that was given to me via the chi that is passed across, okay? This is the empowerment, this is the transmission, or sometimes this is just the chi field you're standing in. Now my brain, mind, being, whatever, I don't know, some part of you, <laughs> will read that thumbprint and then generate the image of that person. This is what happens. So if I am stood and someone is standing within my rather piddly amateurish energetic field and they have learned from me, then what happens when they go home and they go to sleep? is their body will start interpreting the information and your brain will give you a way to understand that information or your subconscious mind. So because the mind recognizes that the energy stamp, the thumbprint of the chi came from me, it can generate the image of me. Not in everybody, but in a lot of people, it will generate it. It recognizes the energy of that person, so therefore there I am appearing in their dreams, sometimes highly spiritual, floating on a cloud, sometimes wearing a pair of Wellington boots and a bow tie for some reason. The human mind is a bizarre thing, but there I am, appearing right there within their dreams. Now, of course, the other thing that the body will do is it will start to interpret the information that the energy is saying. So maybe the energy that was passed over was explaining or, or teaching the other person's body how to release in a particular way or how to open a particular channel, or maybe it was just encouraging the cells to produce more energy or something like that. Now, you won't have necessarily been intellectually or consciously aware of that, but once you're asleep and your body starts processing it, your mind will sometimes, often, give you a way to understand it. Okay? So what will happen is that image that the mind has created will then start giving verbal instructions or sometimes demonstrations on things profound. So in a way, what is happening is your mind is creating the teachings and creating the image of a teacher from the energy that you've received. That's essentially what's happening. It would be like, it would be like, I suppose, um, you know, your mind is creating a conceptual framework to help you understand the phenomena. Yeah, I mean, that, that's essentially what's happening. And that conceptual framework can be the image of the teacher teaching you. 
So that, that really is the basis of the, of the phenomena. This is the basis of the phenomena that's taking place. So the varying skill levels of teachers. Teachers with a small chi field can uh, do this unconsciously. You know, like you're sat within the field, 20 people are sat within the field, you're sat within their field, whatever, and you might pick up that instruction, and then your body will interpret it and your mind will interpret it. Okay, that's one way. Teachers who are more skilled, okay, can individually put energy into a student, you know, like whether it's through Shaktipad or blessing or empowerment or whatever, they will put that energy in, okay? That information goes into the person's body, okay? And then that's what gets interpreted at night. Now, there are some very, very skilled teachers who understand how to use this um, consciously. So they will individually target people, put that information in, knowing full well it's going to unfold during the night. Now, what percentage of students will or people will perceive it directly as you appearing in their dreams and teaching them? I don't know. It's, it's, you know, it's like sometimes it can be as high as one in five, one in ten. That's not unusual for it to be that high. Whereas other people, maybe their energy will be interpreted in another way. Maybe their hun, uh, a part of your being essentially, that's sometimes linked to the soul, although I'm not sure that's totally accurate, but a part of your being will start to overlay symbolic imagery upon it. So rather than dreaming of the teacher, some people will have you know, wild dreams of flying and jumping around and all kinds of things that they will find equally as profound, but it's not so personalized as an image of a teacher there. But still the processing of it is normal. Like, I can't remember the last time where I, I mean, as I said, I'm not a big dreamer, not really. Uh, in fact, something I do within my, my method is train away the ability to dream. I get rid of it. Um, and we have methods to do that within art. I'm not a fan of lucid dreaming or anything like that. Uh, I'm more of a fan of just ending the dreams so that you enter into a more of a meditative state whilst you're going to sleep. Far more restful when you wake up. More, and, and also, aside from anything, just a part of the lineages that I'm in. That's how they work, right? So the only dreams I tend to have are very early morning when I'm not in a good, not in a good state. <laughs> I'm clearly not a morning person, am I? Not in a profound meditative state, shall we say. I'm half awake, I'm half asleep, and then my mind's disturbed, and then it, it can produce dreams. But the only other time I dream really wildly is if I go to see uh, either my teacher or a teacher that has a very strong energy field, because all night long my brain will process that information. It's, and sometimes I'll see the teacher, sometimes I'll see woolly mammoths, penguins, who knows what the fuck, like a whole series of images. But my brain is just processing all of that energy and transmission that I've received. And it also shows me actually how unrested people who dream a lot are. Like, wow, I wake up in those mornings like thinking <laughs> I didn't really sleep. So I'm <laughs> not a fan of, of that kind of dreaming. I don't know how people do it all the time. Right, I'm rambling. Sorry, I'll bring it back on point. So that process there, to me, is fascinating enough anyway. It's fascinating enough. That's, to me, that, I mean, that's really interesting. Your brain... And your mind and your being will process a form of energy you received off of somebody during the night and it will conceptualize that information to turn it into teachings. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty profound. Now, I think it goes further because I think that what will also happen is that's, that you will sometimes process internal mechanisms that you've established within your own body anyway. You know, like I, I think that what will happen is you, you can go quite deep and maybe you've done a lot of work with the Dantian or you've done a lot of work with your consciousness and you've gone very, very deep and you've been touching on the edge of being or something like that. But you can't really understand it, you know. Like sometimes in my solo practice, I will train 
and I will go quite deep, you know, and I'll come out of it and I think, that was a really good session. And, and people around me will say, whoa, you look good. Did you have a good practice session? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, what happened? I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to know. Like, it, how can you have direct intellectual clarity on what you've done within an internal art in a waking state? It's very, very hard. If it's Tai Chi, it's different. Oh, yeah, I've got lots of power going. But in, in meditation, it's very difficult. So often then what happens is you'll go to sleep afterwards, and while you're sleeping, you will process it, and your subconscious mind or your dreaming mind, the deeper part of your mind, can process that information better than you could have done while you're awake. And do you know what happens? If it comes out as a dream, there's always a bloody teacher teaching me, and it doesn't have to be someone I've met. It might be like, wow, fucking hell, it's Lao Tzu. Wow, it's the Yellow Emperor, whatever, I don't know. Uh, it could be anything, Mr. Bean. It doesn't matter, you know, because I have that kind of brain that creates stupid people. But it, it, it can come across as this image of a long dead master teaching you or, or something like this. So there's a question here, isn't there? Because personally, I don't believe that the long dead teacher is teaching you, not literally. I don't believe they're in their grave or in their heaven realm or whatever instructing you. I think they're <laughs> continuing their journey in their, in their own right. But I think what is happening is you're processing this sudden energy that you've experienced or some kind of change inside so in the same way as from the teacher's energy, your brain needs to give you a way to understand what you're doing. So it generates the image of a teacher. So the question is, what I was getting to, was, are you, is your mind purely generating that teacher or is the teacher that you are experiencing linked to the lineage? So obviously not if you dream of Mr. Bean, but it's quite normal that if you're doing well in alchemy, that a Chinese kind of teacher will start to appear and teach you. So <laughs> are you generating the Chinese teacher in your mind through association or are you dreaming of that particular teacher from that lineage because that energy has a thumbprint in it passed down through the generations? I, I, don't know if you get, I don't know if you understand that, but it's a question I have and not one that I have an answer to, but still the same phenomena, you know, same phenomena. So this is my view of dreaming of teachers and what it is. So it's already, I hope you can see, it's already interesting enough. It's already amazing enough without it having to be turned into that the master is sat in full lotus position, floating about six inches off the floor, doing these mudras, visiting you in your dreams to make sure you understand something because um, it's not what's happening. And I think it's dishonest of a teacher if they claim that because they know, they know I think that if you're a sensible person, you know what kind of problems that can generate for people. Dependency, disempowerment, vulnerability, like all of these things, it's not right. And it's also not how it works. Okay, it's not how it works. So my belief is that a teacher has a responsibility to keep people grounded, tell them the truth, and also explain this mechanism if they understand it uh, so that the student can see you're just interpreting information. You know, and it's... <coughs> It's already problematic enough to explain this. Do you know what I mean? You're interpreting the energy from <laughs> what I'm doing. That's already potentially problematic enough without them thinking there's some kind of conscious intervention that's taking place. Now, I know that the highest level... I've, I've met some pretty fucking high masters, <laughs> very, very, very impressive individuals, very impressive, uh, impressive as people, uh, impressive as their skill set, just, just generally amazing that such people exist and... and how lucky we are as human beings to have this potential and to, to still have some of these people around, you know. And 
definitely the dreams I've had of those people are based on this. Okay, I'm not under the illusion that that teacher is individually choosing me. <gasps> that Damon Mitchell, he's got, he's got fucking potential. I'm going to give up my sleep to, to visit him, and <laughs> that's not how it works, okay? I'm quite aware of the mechanism that, it, that is taking place. So, just wanted to highlight that and give my view on it. Now, I know some of you will disagree, um, and that's okay. It's all right. Uh, but I would say, if you disagree, you can disagree politely. It's okay, you know. Like, it's amazing. If, if someone says something I disagree with, they'll say, well, okay, I have a difference of opinion, and this is what it is. What I won't go is, you can't! <laughs> and then just like, people are so enraged and, and so angry. So I know that this particular topic is going to be controversial or go against the view of certain people within these traditions and within these arts. I'm aware of that. So why not use this as an exercise to politely disagree rather than to instantly become abusive and uh, hyperreactive. Because if you are abusive and hyperactive, you never know. Maybe your teacher really is visiting you in your sleep and he won't be happy at your behavior. Because if he can watch you sleeping, he'll know what you're saying during your waking life as well. <laughs> Thanks, guys.